You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast, episode 27 of the MVP Buzz Chat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Visual Studio and Development Technologies MVP, David Pine. everybody, this is Christian Buckley and another MVP Buzz Chat, and I'm here with David Pine, and we're, we're talking about uh, technology in a different area. David, why don't you introduce yourself, and we'll jump into some topic areas. Yeah, thank you uh, for having me on, Christian. Um, my name is David Pine. I'm a technical evangelist in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I've been in tech for eight years. I know Christian just shared with me earlier that he's been in tech for like 30, so that's super intimidating to hear. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I work um, as a consultant now. Before that, I did a bunch of kind of full-time and um, employment stuff, working all the way back in web forms and wind forms. And now I've been uh, evangelizing around the latest and greatest technologies from Microsoft, things that are really getting me excited. So there's been, uh, you know, I've been following the language progression for C Sharp. So I like, you know, presenting on stuff like that, um, touching on. TypeScript, even though it's not really new, it's still advancing and it's an innovation for the web, uh, you know, innovation on JavaScript itself, so applying types to JavaScript. Um, I've been most interested recently in WebAssembly and Microsoft's view of the world with their experimental um, framework, Blazor, which is really kind of cool. Yeah, and I had mentioned, so I, you know, I'm not, actually, I'm not familiar with that and, and haven't heard that that uh, acronym or that name, that product name. One thing before we get started, though, I have to ask, I mean, so you're, you're based in that part of the world. I'm assuming that you're uh, a fan, you're required to live in the state to be a Laverne and Shirley fan, right? Uh, not, not necessarily. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm just, uh, you know, uh, dating myself uh, there. Right. Uh, you know, I, I was going to go Google that with Bing real quick and see if not, I could find out who that was. Yeah, no. I'm not not so much a Laverne and Shirley as is like folks that know like in the know. I mean, as a Lenny and Squiggy uh, uh, fan. So, uh, but uh, anyway, um, yeah. So you know, with Build uh, just having passed, and there were some an announcements around that. And uh, so, what were kind of your takeaways from from the announcements made? Um, in all honesty, I didn't. I, I wasn't able to attend Build, uh, which is unfortunate. I was there. I think either the, the year before or the one before that, um, but I was at the MVP summit. So I got, um, you know, kind of insider information before a lot of the big announcements. And I know, but they do like to hold things out, even from the MVPs. We don't, we, they'll even, sometimes they'll tease us and say, and then there's something right. we're going to wait and we'll tell you it build. It's like, come on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've been trying to find time to go look uh, and watch some of the on-demand uh, announcements. I've, I've seen a lot of, you know, uh, stuff on Twitter and, you know, blogs and there's um, uh, ML.net, so machine learning.net, mm -hmm. which looks pretty promising, right? Um, uh, but yeah, so I, I haven't had time to go look and, and invest um, in, in some of those areas. So I've been preoccupied with uh, work things and, and stuff like that, but um, yeah. Well, so what, so I know you're doing a lot of uh, presenting. So what, what kind of events and stuff are you uh, speaking at more recently? So I, I just, a couple of weeks ago, I just got back from my first ever international speaking engagement. Oh, wow. Where'd you go? I was in Serbia and uh, I was there for IT Connect. So Eastern Europe. And it was a great event. Um, I've been on a few webcasts, I think, since then. And I've shared some of the story, but um, to share it for others. 
uh, they they had three major cities that they traveled to for this this conference, and it was basically over the span of like seven or eight days. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing. I got to do the same talk. Um, I was talking about uh, what's new in C Sharp, so sharing all the new language features. And uh, C Sharp is something that I've I've kind of built my career around. It's a language that I've I've grown to love. And I taught myself C Sharp. Uh, ironically, I started off with um, probably a standard progression, but you know, Visual Basic and um, even before that, Java. So um, it, it was a, an amazing event. So a lot of fun. Yeah, so what, what are the cities? I, so I know there was a huge event, uh, SharePoint Office 365 World, that was in Zagreb that's now moved over to Germany this year. I'm really kind of uh, upset because I really wanted to go to that event and it's a uh, past location. Just beautiful photos from that part of the world. And I've, yeah, just, I've never been to that part of the world. I'll have to share some uh, photos. I had a similar uh, sounding experience. Um, I was in uh, Belgrade, which is the capital, and then we drove um, south to Niche, and then we went um, past Belgrade, uh, northwest towards um, Novi Sad. So the three most heavily populated cities within Bel- uh, or within Serbia. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of neat, I, you know, I'd never been to, I've never been out of the country before that. So this is my first time ever leaving the country. So it was like super intimidating and, you know, nerves were getting at me, but it was so much, much fun. What, what, not to Canada. You're close to the border. You've not been to Canada. <laughs> not, never been to Canada. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, I'm from Wisconsin. So we get, we're, we're close enough. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Well, that's great. Yeah. So it's, so what, so what have been some of the changes? What, what, like, what are some of the noticeable differences? Um, so the language uh, is really trending towards becoming more and more uh, expressive. So you can, you can do more by actually saying less. Um, so less actual code to, to do, you know, similar things. So there was um, like, so that's very, that sounds very Orwellian, you know, this, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, it's now just double plus good. And you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the language itself though is really, really cool. It's been, it's been advancing and they just keep um, progressing. I think Microsoft's done a really cool um, thing with, you know, making um, it open source. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, I get to see the inner workings. I get to sit here and, you know, watch issues and other people contribute to it. And I get to watch the, you know, the pull request, the, the whole life cycle for, um, you know, the, the GitHub workflow. And it's just, it's, it's really, really powerful. And it's, it's super cool to kind of see like within this black box and, and actually be able to interact with the people that are developing it. And, uh, and even, you know, get to the point where you're potentially influencing the design language um, or the, the, you know, there's a, a team for the language itself that has like design sessions and whatnot. So like being able to be just like a part of that or even observe it from afar is just really, really cool. So a lot of the, the that interaction, I mean, we talk a lot about, um, you know, in, in different parts of the, the, the ecosystem that are very, uh, very much Microsoft folks in the community are involved, like through the Microsoft tech community. Of course, you mentioned, you know, GitHub and Microsoft is spend a lot of time, a lot of effort and investments over uh, in, in GitHub. And, uh, and I think just in general, communicating with Microsoft is, and part of it has come through their opening up and working with the open source uh, communities. Um, but that they, 
uh, and I know it's true for a lot of different product teams where they're now also measured on their level of community involvement and activity. Um, and so it's, uh, I always tell people like the secret to working with Microsoft is, um, you know, identify the, the, the right people that you need to work with and understand their commitments. Because every, and a lot of large organizations are like this, where you have every employee has their annual commitments, which rolls up to the team level. And all of those teams roll up to the division, which roll up to the business, you know, and kind of all the way up to the top. So that you as an individual, you know what you need to deliver in that year, which is then broken down by quarter and month and, you know, and so forth. Um, but how you then impact what Microsoft as a whole is trying to achieve. And so if you understand that about the person you're trying to work with, and especially as like a partner, as an MVP, you know, we have this, mm -hmm. it's, when we understand that, the conversation then with that individual, you're trying to get their attention about something. If you know, hey, listen, I'm working on something can help you meet or exceed your annual commitments on this point. Be like, they will listen. They'll be responsive. Um, right. But anyway, that's I, like, uh, sorry, I, I tend to soapbox on things like that, but it's- No, no, that's, that's cool. I, some of those bits you just talked about, I wasn't even familiar with some of the, the hierarchy and the goals and stuff like that. And that's, that's really cool. And that's- And so uh, if you understand like that and, and uh, are interacting with somebody and say, hey, look, you know, this helps solve this problem. I know that you're being measured on this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing how that works, and, but it's, it's true. So. And I think it's interesting, like they try to do all these different things, like even within Visual Studio itself, there's like this feedback feature where you can submit, you know, issues or things, you know, a typical developer would gripe about. So rather than griping about it, you can submit an issue to them. But I find it surprising that not a lot of people actually use that sort of thing. So it's like, why complain about it when they're giving you a mechanism to try to make it better, you know, to help them help you? Like, don't. Exactly. You know, there, there, it's, it's funny. We, we uh, would uh, a couple years back and made it, you know, I, I don't drink, but was like a drinking game. I'd sit there with the soda or whatever. And every time somebody would say the word and, and a couple years back, it was the word telemetry. And anytime, <laughs> you know, some Microsoft conference and somebody uh, uh, mentions telemetry, everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> so then you end up getting really, really caffeinated is what you're saying. Yeah. That for me. Yes. Um, <laughs> But the fact that while we joke uh, about that, but how much, you know, Microsoft, the big shift and really when Satya came on board was around um, uh, looking at the data and having, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, um, uh, like data scientists and things that have been, you know, building up as a profile with inside, you know, inside of Microsoft. Um, but looking at on a product and a team level, looking at all that data, well, you're, to your point, if you're not collecting data, meaning people are not submitting feedback, you can't mm -hmm. then go and improve. And, uh, and, and even in, um, um, we always talk about uh, user voice. Um, so user voice is something that I look in uh, at least once a week, if not more, where if I see an issue or a conversation, I want to know, hey, this is something, this feature request or somebody like over there, like what's, what's happening around that and go and start investigating that's one place I go and look to find out, hey, is this something that Microsoft already has in the roadmap, already addressed? Is it brand new? Um, and most people are surprised to learn how few votes that you need in user voice for Microsoft to then go in and respond and to address that, to, to provide feedback that, hey, this is on the roadmap already, or 
you know, it's not, we weren't aware of it or, you know, or, Hey, we don't care about this. They right. never say that. Right. Right. They never <laughs> say that. So yeah. how, how many votes? I'm curious now. <clears throat> it's as few as five. Really? So, so why, why I've not respond like 10, to this I've heard other numbers, but I've heard, you know, five from folks, but it's, and so maybe there's some variance, but it's very low. And so yeah. seriously, you as an individual could go in and vote for that immediately go post it out on GitHub somewhere on, you know, within some community site, like Microsoft tech community and right. say, hey, people, please, here's the link, go vote for this that I just submitted yeah. and Microsoft will respond. It's very, it's very low bar to get Microsoft to be responsive to those things, which is, which is great to see. Yeah. A lot of times I just leverage the MVP card and I'll go directly to individuals on the product team that I know personally. Right. So I'll, I'll you know, direct message them on Twitter or I, I have some other cell phone numbers. I'll just, you know, text them and um, annoy them that way. Right. Well, there's, there's a, Hey, look, you know, it's a benefit for being in the program is to have that level of access. In fact, I would say that's probably the biggest benefit of, of being an MVP. Um, however, I would say to people that are not MVPs is that's why it's good to get to know your local regional or favorite MVP, you know, in this, in this uh, world that we live in, it's so small now. Anyway, whoever your, your favorite MVP is the, you know, that is uh, you've been able to connect with or reach out to MVP, but that's another route to, to talk to your MVP. It's like, Hey, are you aware of this issue? Or you've blogged about this, Right. Here's my experience. Um, if you need, it would love to get your help in getting more visibility in with, with Microsoft. And that should definitely be a strategy if you have found something that's become a roadblock. Right. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with that 100%. Um, and it's funny you bring up the community and, and like with, as it pertains to MVPs specifically, I've been receiving a lot of questions from uh, you know, friends that aren't MVPs, for example, and they keep asking me, like, how do I become an MVP? So I wrote this blog post, like, literally, I think it was earlier this week or a couple, couple weeks or, you know. Okay, so you, you, have, you have to send me the link to that and I'll uh, include it in the, uh, the write-up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll do that. Um, but it's, it's catching fire. On Twitter, it's already got, like, 13,000 impressions and it's wow. been retweeted, yeah. you know, and liked a bunch and, um, so what's your secret sauce? So I mean, most MVPs have written a similar blog post around it. So kind of what's, what's your guidance to people? How do they become an MVP? <laughs> um, well, my, my guidance is um, not to try to become an MVP. <laughs> and I hear a lot of people say that, right? I, I know that at first when I was trying to become an MVP, um, I, I, I put too much effort into focusing on becoming an MVP rather than the gratification of, giving back to the community. And that's what it's really about, right? Being passionate and doing what you love and then letting things happen naturally, so to yeah. speak. So there's, there's people that have a goal to be an MVP and it's almost like as soon as you quit that goal and you start doing the things that, you know, really matter to you and, you know, you're, you're able to have a, a you know, a positive series of, you know, community facing activities, you know, contributions, so to speak. Yeah. Um, that's when it's going to happen. Right. And um, so I do a lot of different things. So I do, you know, blogging and I do speaking. Um, I think last year I gave 22 talks. I, I blogged probably, a, a, you know, a dozen or so times on different, you know, mediums. Um, and then I do open source. So I contribute to that. And then I'm, you know, I was last year and the year before kind of answering questions on stack overflow. I've kind of since pulled away from that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but 
And then I organize a technical conference here in Milwaukee. So it's like all these different things and I do mentoring. So it's, yep. I'm, and it's things that I'm all passionate about. Right. So it's right. not like I'm trying to make it like this, this huge effort that I need to go have all these check boxes. It's more so I love being a part of the developer community. I love being able to share knowledge. And as a result of that, Microsoft's recognizes me as uh, an MVP. You know, there's a, and and that's great. I agree with all that 100%. It's uh, and I often would tell people, um, I said before, before I became an MVP back in January, 2012. And I lived and breathed this way. I've always been this way. I've been in other communities in the past. I've been an entrepreneur for a number of years and I've started and run user groups and, and, uh, a couple different nonprofits and uh, a lot of that are community focused and always in tech. And, uh, and I said, I, I'm, this is who I am, the way that I, I do things. And if I were to, uh, you know, lose my MVP because it's, Hey, it's, it's increasingly competitive. There's a lot of people yeah. that are finally figuring out that, you know, <laughs> that um, community is not always about like what you get out of it. There's just um, the, you know, the goodwill that's created, um, just by participating, um, that, uh, you don't always have to get something for you out of the interactions that helping other people, there's the benefits that, you know, the, the, just feeling good about that, helping people, that aspect of it. But I would always tell people that even if I lost my MVP, I was like, I'm going to continue doing what I do because it's who I am. Exactly. And, and that's, that's, I mean, that's what it is for me. And I feel the exact same way. Like, um, I remember, uh, when I first got awarded, I, I had, the timing was perfect, right? Like I had submitted one of my, uh, you know, I submitted a contribution just to update my profile and I went to check my email to make sure that it had been received. And then instead I was getting the, um, you've been awarded email. So mm-hmm. I was like, wait a second. I like caught me totally off guard cause I was expecting a different email, right? That had received yeah. confirmation. It's like, you're an MVP now. I'm like, Oh my God. But then it's like I was telling people about, you know, the benefits, right? Like the different things that you had touched on a little bit. But everyone like initially thinks like, oh, there's no like monetary thing. You're not getting paid. You don't get like all this, whatever. It's like, no, they're just recognizing us as people who love the community and and just so happen to be passionate about certain technologies. Not, not that we would turn it down if Microsoft. No. Is, you know, I mean, if Bill Gates came forward and said $1 million to every MVP, I'd like, I would be supportive of that. I'm willing to trial it. In fact, you and I can be pilot. Um, right, right. Yeah. Look that, right? Look at the effects. Interview us before the million dollars and after the million dollars, like a year later, and see if it changed anything about us. I don't. I don't think it would change anything about me. So yeah. No, I'm no. To, but let's. It would put, be a lot more competitive, though. Maybe but, right. But let's gather some data around that. I'm. That's why I'm willing to pilot this out. I'll submit an email <laughs> later. So. Yeah. Be sure to CC me on that. I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, but it's, it, but you're right. It, it's, um, you know, I, so there's a great story. I'm going to throw his name in here. He won't mind, but good friend of mine. Uh, so uh, Eric Overfield, um, I'll embarrass him a little. So Eric has now been, you know, for, for a handful of years, have been an MVP, but he also a year ago was made a Microsoft regional director, which is a very select group. Yeah. Um, I just got my, an RD, there's, there is, uh, I think, uh, there's under 175 of us or something like that around the world kind of thing. It's, right, it, yeah. and it's different than an MVP. And if you're wondering what it is, go to rd.microsoft.com and there's some description around that. 
And you can just do the same around mvp.microsoft.com and get more information about that program. Because um, you can submit your own name and, and, and things out there. Um, but the, so Eric is a perfect example of that, where here's a guy who I met through doing community activities. Um, I had helped launch um, several SharePoint Saturday uh, events on the western coast of the U.S. And, um, and so he was, I, I ran one in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, which I was born and raised, and, and wanted to bring something back to that area. And I also started one in Sacramento. And the East Bay got moved over to Silicon Valley, and I brought, you know, paired up with, with Eric to, to co-run the Silicon Valley events and the Sacramento events, and then handed off. He took them over and, and ran them. But So he came and said, hey, oh, it's a goal of mine to be an MVP. And I'm like, you're doing all the stuff. I mean, you're CEO of the company. You're helping customers. You're running these events. You're doing the user groups and breakfast meetings. You're one of the guys that is just never seems to sleep. If somebody has a question and they reach out to you, you try to help them and, you know, end to end. If you don't know the answer, hand them off. And are you getting the response? Like, it's just who he is. And right. but he just like no traction which a bunch of us kind of submitted and what's going on. And so, you know, after like a year or two, and I remember seeing him at, at an event um, on the East Coast. And he says, he's like, hey, just want to know. He says, I'm just kind of let go of that. I'd like, I don't, I don't care. I so said, I've had so many benefits that have come from just doing this stuff for the community. I don't need to have the recognition. And I, it's funny that he, he said that. And like a month later, he gets the out of the blue, the, like the letter. Right. Um, so it is, I have to say that I, I know a lot of Microsoft people that have told me that they are aware of people that are doing it for the wrong reasons that are trying to go and do that versus just being there. There, there's a difference. Right. right. Um, and, uh, and to say that, you know, for Microsoft, when they go and investigate, I mean, some of the things that they're, they do, um, they, they talk to members of the community. They talk to other MVPs and you might, it, you might say that they're potentially leveraging like machine learning or cognitive services. Right. To, we're all robots and we're sharing our learning. But yeah, so I mean, that does play, play into it. Um, and, and so, you know, you know and, and like if, I, I don't remember ever providing that feedback about any prospective MVP that no, I think they're doing it for the wrong reason. I generally want to be supportive of that is my, my feeling is that, hey, whether they're doing it for the wrong reasons or not, they're doing it to the level of activity that's supporting the community um, it's still supporting the community. They're still doing it, uh, you know, but um, it's up to Microsoft at the end of the day who they award and for what their reasoning is. And, but the vast majority of MVPs are not narcissists doing it because they like to talk up front They're They just are like us that just love that feeling of, I had this learning, I had this guidance, I had this experience. I was able to share that with people. Right. And that drives a lot of who we are. Exactly. Well said. No, thank you. So I think we're done. No. So <laughs> let me, let me ask you one other question. So at the beginning, so you talked about one thing I did, I talked about that acronym or that, that like I wasn't familiar with. Blazer. Yeah. So what is that? So um, Blazer is uh, a web framework technology. It's, it's supposed to be like a complement to spa. So single page applications. If, if yeah. you're familiar with, um, you know, ASP.NET and ASP.NET um, web forms, you know, historically it was the server side rendering of your HTML and then serving that to um, 
uh, you know, client browser, right? So, um, so spas are, um, you get a lot of what's required, you know, the, the bits for the application itself upfront. Mm-hmm. So there's an initial, um, cost of that initial download of all the JavaScript, for example, right? Right. And then it, you make lightweight API calls to, to get the data and, you know, manipulate state, but you have like a uh, client side routing and all these, you know, niceties of having kind of your business logic built out uh, on a client side app. Right. So that, that's a spot. Um, so, and historically that's been done with JavaScript, right? Mm-hmm. So now um, WebAssembly has been standardized and as a result of that, that means that all four um, major browsers support uh, WebAssembly. So WebAssembly basically is running, they call them quote unquote, higher level languages like C++, C, Rust, um, stuff like that uh, in the browser itself, right? So rather than JavaScript, you can take these higher level languages and execute those. They're compiled down to run within um, that kind of virtual machine or sandbox, right? Right. Um, so now what they've been doing with this experiment uh, called Blazor is doing the same thing, but with C-sharp. So you can take C-sharp, compile it down to um, a compatible format that will then execute and target and run against WebAssembly on a client browser. So if you actually open up your network tab, for example, rather than seeing JavaScript files and uh, CSS, well, you'll still get CSS and HTML, but see, rather than seeing JavaScript files, you'll be seeing DLLs come over the wire. Very cool. So that is, um, you know, so how, how I, as the, the non-dev, but translate a lot of that. I mean, yeah, so I, yeah, I have a history in telecom and, and, uh, and, and building out some, uh, you know, in, in collaboration technology, especially, but this whole concept of, um, you know, we dealt with, Back in uh, 2000, 2001, I got into, started working with vendors around like WAN optimization and trying to solve some of the problems of server-side code and being accessed through sometimes very limited pipe. And when you have customers, especially I was working in the supply chain world where you have tier two, tier three, small vendor suppliers that were sometimes on a dial-up connection in Malaysia, you know, for example, and couldn't do like these high bandwidth. Of course, there was very few people had, even businesses, high bandwidth connections in the internet back in 2000, 2004, that era. Um, And so we started to develop like edge devices. um, And now we've got, you know, so so you see a lot of that. I mean, even my my camera here, my Logitech has um, from a, hardware firmware perspective has processes processing that's done there rather than having to go and process it out in the cloud and send back so that it's much faster and performant for live streams and other things. Similarly, sure. a lot of these kind of edge services um, work in that same way. I mean, it's just kind of, that's how I'm translating it in my brain, like kind of how that works it, but it's changing where some of the work is done to increase the performance and speed of delivery. There's definitely, yeah, exactly. There's definitely performance benefits to it. It's getting more closer to, um, you know, machine level optimizations in terms of how things are going to be executed, right? So rather than having um, various levels of abstractions where you're running on JavaScript and uh, I'm still building on a talk for it. So I might be technically inaccurate with some of these things, but um, it's, it's a lot lower level, um, you know, obviously they get to quicker speed, right? So it's, it's, it's a lot more optimal for stuff like that. So you know, what's interesting too, is that the, you know, the, the, the you know, systems, and this is a, you know, spent a few years working in kind of the grid 
technology spaces is a lot of the what I thought was the most exciting um, advances in that was not the hardware components of grid uh, that that concept of server grids and that kind of thing but is was the software that was optimizing in between those and to be able to make decisions based on the calls that were being made the API's access where it needs to process what needs to work and where's the most efficient place to go and do that whether it's locally on the machine that's you know calling down these things or somewhere else and serving up the the results of that um, and so I, I mean I see so much of what we're seeing whether it's you know, for at the coding level of it's where, you know, how we're developing applications in even technology like blockchain, where it's looking, it's all these same, it's the, 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 the new waves of what we were working on in the 90s and early 2000s to solve these, these kinds of supply chain problems. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I, for Blazor specifically, it was, it really threw me off because I've been doing a lot of like Angular development, right? So they have, um, uh, an HTTP client, which is obviously JavaScript based, and it makes um, API calls back out to your web server or, or to a web server. Um, and now with Blazor, I'm using the C Sharp, you know, .NET HTTP client on the client itself, which is just crazy. Like when you really sit back and think about it, because historically the HTTP client was used um, exclusively like server code, right, to make remote calls and then feedback data potentially to somewhere else but now it's actually executing on the client kind of taking the place of these other um you know http you know invocations and it's just it's kind of wild to wrap your head around yeah there there's a I mean, you're right there's just there's there is so much that we always talk about whatever the technology area it is that it's, it's uh one human being is it's impossible for them to keep up with everything that's happening there's so much rapid change advances that are coming on so many different fronts. Um, and this is one I've just not even, you know, thought in depth around as I think about the, 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 the various services that I work with and it's more on the, you know, the IT pro and power user side of things, the world were more of that I, that I, that I live in, but it's, uh, you know, there's just foundational changes, improvements that are going on as well. That's uh, it's an exciting time for tech in general. It definitely is. Yeah, I was part of a, a Twitter storm. I'm not super big on Twitter, um, but last night my phone would not stop buzzing. Uh, there was um, you could change those settings, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm well aware. Um, people have commented on that, but someone specifically was asking for like who to follow in the Midwest, and my my handle was mentioned by someone, and then uh, of course everyone that was mentioned there they shared a bunch of people and then they started sharing a bunch of people and it went viral right like it was just the entire midwest now has a list of like who to follow and who uh who's influencers in that space and there's a logical next step you're gonna have stalkers so you know, <laughs> good for you well you're assuming i might not have already had stalkers. Uh, that's, yeah, that's true i'm sorry my mistake yeah <laughs> So well, very cool. Well, it's you know I know look there's a there's a lot of uh, you know subtopics that we can you know dive into here, but uh, uh, to wrap up, like David, how can people get in touch with you? Where where are you usually um, blogging, and what's the best way to reach out to you? Uh, sure, yeah, my blog is davidpine.net. Um, uh, on that, I have obviously a blog uh, page, but then I have a bunch of other uh, pages which are. Um, I believe to be entertaining. It's, a, it's got my speaking schedule as well as a bunch of other pictures from various um, conferences and whatnot. Uh, in addition to that, you can follow me at, on Twitter at David Pine seven. Um, I 
guest blog on .NET Curry quite a bit. Um, I also have uh, at uh, DavidPine7 for medium.com um, and Stack Overflow, uh, David-Pine, um, and my GitHub is iEvangelist. Awesome. Well, I'll provide links to all those things in the, the summary blog post as well, which you'll find out on BuckleyPlanet.com. And uh, other than that, David, thanks a lot for your time today. It's uh, very. It's great to again get to know an MVP in a completely different uh, uh, arena, as that which I work on a day to day. And great to get to know you. And I'm uh, hopefully we can connect soon. You know, I'm looking for speakers for something right right now, which might actually oh, cool. be up your alley, but. Uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm looking for speakers as well. So the conference I run here is uh, creamcitycode.com. Um, so yeah, we're looking for our CFPs open. And uh, um, well, thank you for having me on, Christian. This is awesome. I really appreciate everything that you are doing for the community and uh, keep on doing what you're doing. Well, thanks a lot. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Wow.